Greetings. Welcome and thank you for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection on March 16th, 2022. In the recent past, I bought a book titled The New Testament in Its World. It is co-authored by N.T. Wright and Michael Byrd. I'm embarrassed to say, up until a week ago, I had not started reading this book. I think maybe the reason is, if you include the index of the book, it has 987 pages. A few of Pastor Metz's colleagues recommended this book, along with the DVD and a study guide workbook, for a 37-lesson Bible study series. We started this last week and will continue until we have gone through all 37 lessons. If you've ever wondered how to make sense of the Bible, and more specifically, how to make sense of the New Testament, I would encourage you to join us for an in-person Bible study on Wednesday evenings at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, and we're located on the corner of Bull and Blanding Street. On Wednesday evenings, we serve a meal from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30. Then we have a prayer service from 6.30 to 7. And our Bible study begins at 7 and wraps up around 7.45. We would love for you to join us. And now let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, we thank you for your word. 2,000 years ago, you came to earth and spoke directly to and taught your disciples and other followers through your Son, Jesus Christ. Even today, you speak to us, and Jesus calls us through your holy word. Lord, equip us to hear your word and equip us to bear the fruits of your word through our humble service to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start off today by asking myself a question. Arthur, what percentage of your life are you living for Jesus, and what percentage of your life are you living for yourself? I'll be really honest with you. I could not stand in front of a mirror and ask that question without cringing. And just for the record, no, I'm not standing in front of a mirror because, to be honest, I didn't feel like cringing today. My questioning could continue by asking myself, how much is enough? Also, do I adapt my thoughts, words, and deeds based on what day of the week it is and what setting I'm in? I'm sure you're all familiar with a little green lizard called a chameleon. Well, they're green most of the time, but depending on where they are and what color the surface is that they're on, they actually change colors for protection. So in the case of those little green lizards, when they change colors depending on their environment, that occurs to protect them from predators. When we adapt our thoughts, words, and deeds, what are we trying to protect ourselves from? If we act in a distinctively Christian manner all the time, are we setting ourselves up for ridicule from others? Trying to protect ourselves from possible ridicule? Tim Keller, a Presbyterian pastor in New York City, summed it up very well when he said, Approximately 50 years ago, if someone went into a bank to apply for a mortgage, during the course of 
conversation, the banker would have probably asked them what church or synagogue they worshipped at. If they said they did not attend worship services, well, they were more likely than not to be denied the mortgage. Fast forward to today. Is being open and honest about your faith more a liability today than, say, 50 years ago? Have things really changed that much in 50 years? Your faith used to be an asset, and now it's possibly a cultural liability. Sadly, I believe it has, and it shouldn't be that way. Let's see what Jesus had to say about how much time we need to spend with him and who we need to put first. The first reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus is using hyperbole here. He's exaggerating to make a point. The point is, your allegiance to him and his will comes even before your allegiance to your spouse or your kids. Next, we turn to Luke chapter 9, verses 59 through 60, and here Jesus is responding to another man. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow, crazy, right? But he's saying right now, because I've come into your life, following me is even more important than your own dad's funeral. I am first. I am first in your relationships. Do these two examples of what Jesus expects of us bother you? It certainly is a lot to ponder, and to be honest, the more I ponder, the more I'm bothered by it. One thing it does reinforce is the fact that I do need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to help me live into the call that Jesus has made to me and to every one of us, and that he continues to call us today. There's a song I like titled, This Is How We Roll. It's performed by a group called Florida Georgia Line, along with Luke Bryan. Now, just for the record, <clears throat> I am a fan of both Florida Georgia Line as well as Luke Bryan. There's one line in the song that has always given me pause. It goes like this. And I'm, no, I'm not going to sing it. I will spare you that. We love who we love, and we want to have fun. Yeah, we cuss on them Mondays and pray on them Sundays. Hmm. Is Jesus your all in all, or is he just a compartment in your life? That's a very tough question, and to be honest, it's really difficult for me to even ask that question, especially if I'm near a mirror. During my preparation for this Bible study and reflection, I came across a sermon preached by a pastor named David Sorn, S-O-R-N. He preached a sermon about the sin of compartmentalization in a Christian's life. And I'm going to read part of his sermon. And I quote, Compartmentalization is when you take different segments of your life and you compartmentalize. You segment who you are. So when you're at your job, you act one way. When you're at home, you act in a different way. 
When you're with your church friends, you speak one way. With your buddies, you speak an entirely different way. In many cases, we've learned to adapt to our different environments or compartments. Think different compartments on a shelf or different rooms of the house. We've learned to adapt so well in different environments that we actually have totally different values, attitudes, and beliefs based on what compartment we're in. So a compartmentalized person might look like this. Say you're at home getting ready for church and you're going to be late. You and your spouse are yelling at each other. And you both took too long to get ready. You yell at your kids who won't stop playing their video games or watching TV. The car ride to church is spent still arguing about it. But as you cross the threshold into the church, it's like the family magically smiles. Smiley faces on. And now you're a happy family. You're a man of God who loves his wife. And you are a Proverbs 31 lady who's raising godly children. But what happened to the couple that was just screaming at each other and verbally abusing their kids? See? You're in a different compartment now, so you act differently. Americans go to church for all sorts of reasons. But it becomes rough for a lot of us when church starts to mess with our lives. I read a story the other day about a pastor who found out someone left his church because he didn't like his messages. The pastor actually had the guts to call the guy and ask him to tell him more. The guy responded, I feel like when you speak, you're trying to interfere with my life. And the pastor said, that's kind of my job description. See, somewhere along the timeline of entertaining music, cushy seats, and cup holders, we started believing we were supposed to feel really comfortable in church. To a point we should. It ought to be a super welcoming place. But it also ought to be a place where we weigh our lives versus the call of Scripture. And if less one of you happens to be Jesus, that gap between how we actually live and what God calls us to do is often pretty large. End quote. Do we only improve ourselves and our relationship with God during specific times? You know, we naturally compartmentalize. When I'm at work, I work. When I'm golfing or watching TV or a social event, I rest. When I'm exercising, I exercise. And when I sleep, I sleep. Certainly, sleep is one of those things that can't be faith, right? Hmm. Well, let's see what the psalmist had to say about that. Let's look at Psalm 127, verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. Hmm. How do we avoid compartmentalization? As already mentioned, we definitely need the help of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit but there's another very important component of our faith life that will help us become less compartmentalized. When we pray without ceasing, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, every activity becomes a faith activity. If we give every activity to God before we do it, he uses us for his glory. 
He works his will, makes the most of our lives with every action we take. Faith becomes how we use our time performing every activity, even sleeping. Unfortunately, I'm not a good example of following my faith in every area of my life, but I'm working on it. As followers of Jesus, let's ask him to remind us to pray without ceasing and give him every minute of our lives. Imprinted in our bulletin every Sunday is this. It's the preface to our sacrament of Holy Communion. And we hear these words. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and then all places give thanks and praise to you. Almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine dropping the word all and replacing it with some or whenever you feel like it or when you're in a certain place? Absolutely not. Is this something easy to ponder? I don't know about you, but if I answer that honestly, I would say it's tough, and I certainly can't do it by myself. But with that said, I can tell you that being distinctively Christian in all places and at all times is not always easy, but it brings so much joy and peace to you and everyone around you. Do we only spend part of our time with God? Is our faith simply one of those things we do? When we spend time on work, hobbies, or with family, does that involve our faith? What activities go into our faith category that don't go into any other category? Do we improve ourselves and our relationship with God during specific times? One final question and response to ponder. My question with a scriptural response. The question would be, why do we really owe so much of our time to Jesus? The answer, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father and most merciful God, we thank you for your living word where we hear Jesus speak to us. Lord, we ask that you open our eyes and ears and our hearts to the call of your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now go in peace. Serve the Lord.